the James Suckling Podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Good. Morning. Good good afternoon. <laughs> good evening. We're bottling today. Wow, okay. What are you yeah. bottling? We're bottling six toast Chardonnay. Oh, awesome. Okay, I love it. That's yeah. the one that has some floor, right? Yeah, what's that? It has some sort of floor character to it, no? Yeah, it does. I really like that. I mean, the tasting is always beautiful wine. Okay. I was wondering, could you go through, let's say from like 15 to 19, the vintages in Washington, like what, like how you view them in terms of the client, you know, uh, just quick and briefly, like this is cooler, this is... Like yeah, so 15 was a much warmer year. It's probably one of the warmer vintages we've had. Uh, 16 was kind of one of those perfect storms where it was warm, but then it cooled down in our ripening season, and we didn't get a lot of rain. We got an extended uh, um, uh, vintage into November, so we got a lot of phenolic and, and, uh, and, and flavor uh, maturity. Uh, 17 acted like a cool year, even though it shows – on degree days as a warm year because we had these big fires up in Canada. So we had this kind of high cloud thing. So we didn't have a lot of photosynthesis and then it kind of kept everything a little bit cooler. Um, so it acts like a cooler vintage and it has, you know, more of this, uh, um, ethereal kind of characters to it for, but then like kind of bombastic at the same, same time. 18 to me is like one of these beautiful vintages where it was cool the whole year long. And then we got no rain all the way through the, the ripening season. And it was like extended and it was, it's, I think it's going to be one of the greatest vintages that like to me, like 2004 and 2008, which were, I consider great vintages. Um, and then 2019, um, it was cloudy a lot. It's it's one of those years that if you did the right thing and you did it at the right time, you can get a lot of color and you can get the things that you need. Um, it has a lot of acidity. The tannins are more um, cerebral. They're not like super aggressive. They're they're kind of more like this beautiful kind of texture to them. Um, I'm still, you know, obviously 19 still kind of working out, but I, there's some wines that I think are super beautiful. Fantastic. Well, that's really cool. So 18 is the real gem then, the one to watch. I think so. I think that a lot of the critics, um, you know, like the 16, that's the one that they look at a lot. And they think that that's the big one. Um, I love the 16s. Don't get me wrong, but I think 18s are going to be better. Oh, okay. Awesome. 18. Yeah, that's exciting. I found 17, how you describe it is, a, is good because it was sort of like, is this a hot year? Is it a cool year? Like it was like that, like you say, bombastic and made good wines, but maybe lacked a little bit of the excitement of, say, 16 or even the really rich 15. Right, exactly. Like a tiny bit. Like it's, you know, pretty much the same quality. But if you had to make a comment, you know what I'm saying? That's why I was mm -hmm. curious what you thought. So my tasting sort of confirms that. 
Good. I think that that's right on. And, and I, you know, it's not that I don't like the 17s. I really like them. I just don't think that they're quite as um, expression as the 16s or the 15s. I think that, you know, the thing about Washington State and what it can bring you is it has a lot of those new world qualities, that opulence that you get out of like California or some other new world areas, but it has the restraint of what you would get out of Burgundy at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of like ha- it's in between. It's not, it's not new world and it's not old world. And Washington has kind of this, this best of both worlds where you have the focus and you have the restraint and the your thoroughness of an old world wine, but it has the freshness and the bigness of what you can get out of a new world wine. Right on. What are your thoughts on uh, Syrah in Washington? Because I, I really like it. And so like, I want to talk to one of the masters of it. Like why does it work so well in Washington? Well, I think that, you know, for me, it's important to recognize that, the aspect of where the sun is during the growing season is just as important as anything else, not just the soils or not to take something from California or Australia or whatever. But when you're talking about being above the 45th parallel, all of a sudden you're talking about how the sun is in the sky and what the temperatures are. And I think that's, you know, I think that especially the Southern part of, of Washington makes some of the most incredible Syrahs in the world. And um, and I really believe not only is it the soil types where you're talking about broken basalt or limestone soils or or river ancient river beds, there's a diversity, but it's also a place where the temperature is just absolutely perfect, where you have a fairly warm period in July and August, but then it cools down significantly in September and October and you're typically picking the best Syrah in late October. If you're picking much earlier than that, then you're not getting, you're not getting that ripening that you're looking for, that phenolic and 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 you know um, and flavor maturity that gives you all that complexity. And because it cools down so much, you can actually get later in the season before the the, the bricks get too high and you lose all your acid, which can happen somewhere else. So I think that's what makes Washington so great. So why, um, why do you think Viognier works so well in Washington? Because I, I find you, uh, it does much better than, say, California or um, other places in the States. Maybe, maybe Virginia has some cool things. But, like, what, what, what is it? To me, it's, it's that when we go into our ripening season, which is um, early September, Mm-hmm. Uh, we cool down so quickly because we're so high on the earth. Our, you know, our you know we're above the forty-six um, latitude for this vineyard. You know, when you get into September, all of a sudden you go through this huge dino shift where you can have like maybe like eighty-two degrees during the day in early September, but you're going to have low forties at night. And so what happens is when you're at night and you have the Krebs cycle. Basically, you're holding on all to all your organic acids instead of it turning into sugar, which I think in warmer sites like California, where you go into the ripening season in September and October is not very much different than, let's say, than, than August in temperature, because really your cooling effect is just the fog. 
you know, um, this cooling effect is, is seriously weather, you know, so you can go all of a sudden you have this huge shift and your mornings are cool and it takes a long time. So all of a sudden you go through this ripening season where the sugar, uh, accumulation just slows down completely and you get a chance to have phenolic and flavor of maturity without getting your sugar so high. Awesome. All that out. Fantastic. Thank you. Do you think that own roots gives you an advantage? I do. Yes. What does it do? I think that the acidity is more expressive when you do own roots. I, I think that there's a little bit more focus and a little bit more attention to the wines, the tautness to the wines when you have own roots. Um, I also think that just logistically you need it in Washington because we can have some seriously cold winters that get into the negative numbers like negative seven, negative 10 Fahrenheit. And when you do that, you can get vine kill. And if you're on, on, you know, um, if you're on rootstock, you're basically, you basically have to replant a whole vineyard. So financially, logistically, it just makes sense. But to me, I've played with vines in Washington that are on rootstock, and I find that wines that have um, that are own rooted just have a more um, rustic tautness to them, like a tension to them that I like. I think it's. I understand what you're saying. Like this wine has, yeah, like rustic in a good way. Mm-hmm. This like reality to them. It tastes a lot like um like old vine character, where you get that sort of bark and moss sort of character when you see mm-hmm. the old vines. But it's not old vines, so maybe it's the its own. You know, it's uh, no roots. Rooted, but I also think it's the site. So if I took you up there, it's just one of those places that's really windy and thin soil and just a really hard place for vines to grow. Um, it's just, it's, it's an intense place for vines to grow. And so I think that intensity of the microclimate comes through and through the wine. Thank you. So listen, thanks again. It was a really fun tasting. Um, and in a way, almost more focused than like even, uh, standing at the winery i really enjoyed it and learned a lot and you know look forward to either tasting again with you in person or like this but it was really great well thank you for taking the time it was a pleasure to visit with you as always i will i look forward to seeing you soon yeah man no really my pleasure really really cool so stay safe and you know keep on making great wines good luck with the bottling and elevage and the rest of it so thanks again it was really great All right, ciao.